They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. China boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub... I'm stuck in the sandbar, right? I've been there for an hour. The esky's already empty. Smith! Hey, what's going on? More! Jesus, that the time. Quick, mate, let's go. Finish oh, your beer. Come get on. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to Tales from the Tinny again this week where you guessed it, it's not Rob stuck on a sandbar, he's going to be away for a few weeks on the Tinny, but someone else did get stuck on a sandbar for six or so hours while wife was pretty much giving birth, well the baby was a day old, stuck on a sandbar at Shoal Bay for six hours, did it end in tears and whose tears were they? Tears of joy or tears of triumph? Tears of victory! As one gives birth to a bub, the other gives birth to a genuine horse. Stay tuned to the tinny over the next hour or so to hear the saga. Joined very ably in the tinny at HQ by Packy Andy again this week. G'day Timmy, good to be aboard. Goose hunters, fishers, as you might know. I mean, a lot of you probably are goose hunters as well. They're livid at the moment about the reduction in bag limits. Never fear, hunters. The push is on. We've lobbied the minister to recount the birds in the dry season. If the numbers stack up, we want a five-goose bag limit, uh, and we'd like duck season to open, if not this weekend, next weekend. And why you fishers need a full-blown situation room to fish like this bloke? A hardcore technique that's turning up some solid barra in the billabongs finally. They are there, but you've got to go hard. Trolling the edge of a weed bed, you're only in six to eight foot of water. Try and get those big lures only running three to four foot of water. Keep your rod tip high, get that fish jumping, jam the boat in reverse, get it right back on it so you can put it on a short leash or full flat out, forward on a lock drag, off the edge of that weed bank, out to deeper water so you can land them. It's a dangerous tactic, bend a lot of hooks, pull hooks, pull split rings, but it's the only way you can safely get those fish out before they bury in the weed bed. These are really big, strong fish. We'll be taking you to the Incident Control Centre, Andy. Something very close to my heart. It is, isn't it? Indeed. Spent a lot of time in there. There are men in suits, barking orders, a hundred monitors, screens crunching and analysing the data to work out exactly when to hit billabongs like corroboree at night. But when they hit, beware, it ain't easy. I'm six foot, you've got another six foot of rod, full extension of your hand holding it above your head. When they hit, you've got to make sure you've got your wrist cocked, because otherwise they'll rip the rod entirely backwards, you almost dislocate your wrist, that's the time to get them up and jumping. It's really heart in your mouth, toe-to-toe combat type stuff. Toe-to-toe combat, much like that you've seen around the globe. I mean, there's no better combat. There's no more fiercer combat uh, to coordinate from the Incident Control Centre 
than those big barra at night at Corroboree. It's a war against barra. Every time you go out. All that! Plenty more! On the tinny! Regurgitated. Little tinny on a 55 kilometre windy day. From the way we went with a 15 horsepower on the back. We were just drifting, we had no sound or anything like that. And his little girl was on board, his little nine year old girl, decided to gang hook a little stripey sailfish exploded out of the water, not far away from us. And his little girl started screaming her head off because this is not the first time he's caught a sailfish out of that tinny. It was his, it was his second time. So she knew what was about to happen, the little girl. So she started screaming. He started up the 15 horsepower and I've bunkered down up the, up the front, tucked the knees under the gunnels and held on. And this fish has just jumped like oh, seven or eight times or something out in front. We were grabbing the leader and he wanted to bring it on board. And I said, I said mate, I said, this thing going to flip us over. So, and the girl was just going off. Grabbed the knife out of the thing and I cut him off. Well, he reckons he's going to call the boat SS Sailfish now. So, Tales from the Tinny. Warren DeWitt is the Ayatollah of the DKVR and to take us around his parish and beyond. G'day to you, Warren. Yeah, g'day, Tim. G'day, Andy. How are we? G'day, mate. Looking like it's really stinking up now and, and, and over this week, <laughs> over this weekend, expecting it to be scorching, Warren. Yes, it is. It's starting to build up again now. We got a bit of cloud cover around here and a bit of rain um, to our north and east last night. And I see Hector up off Bathurst Islands kicked into gear. So... When you start seeing Hector turn up, you pretty well know we're starting to get into the higher humidity and the start of the build-up, which is really great because this weekend's tides, uh, we're going on to neap tide, so anyone that wants to venture out into the bigger rivers, either the Daly, the Roper or the Vic, should do really well. And the other good thing about it is, hopefully, there won't be too much wind. So if you want to get offshore on the east coast, which is over in the Gulf area, that should be really good this weekend too because for the last oh, three or four weeks, it has just been absolutely hammering from that southeasterly over there and finally I think it's now broken with this extra um, humidity coming around might have turned it around. Pretend you've got a brain the size of a pea and step into the mind of a barramundi for us. What, <laughs> what, 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 what's, the, what's the barra thinking at this time of the year as this heat and humidity really starts to kick in? Well, their nostrils are going to start to flare because they're obviously starting to feel the water temperature move up and obviously then they know it's coming on to their breeding season. So they need to start putting on a little bit of extra weight, I suppose, or they just get more active. I mean, the water warms up, they become more active. Obviously, everyone needs to keep in mind, though, that the billabongs, if they get too hot, those fish start to tail, as we talk about, where they just put their heads down and their tails are sticking up in the weed beds and they're not interested too much because they're now under a bit of stress. So you've got about a window now, maybe a two or three weeks or maybe a bit longer, depending on how hot it gets in between, but before those fish get too stressed out in those billabongs. So in the next week or two, I'd be definitely venturing out if you want to have a crack at the billabongs. Warren, from uh, billabongs and barra to billfish, it's been a cracker of a season. Mm. How long can we expect that to go on for? I reckon it's finished. Um, I've been talking to a few guys and looks like the billfish have moved further off now. They're actually either out about 85 k's now. People are travelling out trying to find them. So all those billfish that were around there in that June, July and August period 
Obviously, the, either the water temperature or the bait or the current now has moved away and has taken that food and those fish with it. So it's a little bit harder out there. You'll, you'll go back to that scenario that we had earlier in a couple of years ago where you'd get one sail up at a time maybe and it's pretty picky about what it's going to do. Whereas when we had them up there in pods, it was a lot of competition for that food and they would be more aggressive to take a lure or take that swim and gar or skip and gar uh, straight away because they got their brothers trying to beat them to the food. So you really need now to either concentrate going wider or trying to find where that bait schools are moved to um, to do really good. But again, you never know until you get further off field and the weather's going to be good enough now maybe that you can venture a little bit wider if you've got a big enough boat to to travel a bit further off field and get further offshore and maybe do a bit of exploring and find some new country as well. Yeah, so it sounds like those cricket scores are, are diminishing, but still a chance. Mm. Yeah, that, those cricket scores are diminishing, and but also some of those bigger marlin are now going to come around too by the sound of it. So there's been a few guys reporting sightings of and hooking up some really good-sized marlin over 100 kilos and not quite geared up to handle them. So if you're going to go out there, maybe take a heavier rod with you and a bit of um, extra heavy leader so that you can handle something that gets on there for a fair, fair while. For a couple of hours, you'll be in for a fight with a 100-kilo-plus marlin. So you need good-sized leader probably in the 150 to 200-pound leader so that you don't chafe through because that's the biggest problem. The knot to either give or you'll chafe through that leader on that long, uh, hard battle that you have with some of those bigger fish. But... You know, you don't know until you give it a crack, and certainly there's opportunities out there for some of those bigger fish now. Uh, on the big rivers, Warren, you mentioned Roper, Vic, and Daly on these Nipah tides. That could fish pretty well. It will fish excellent. All these rivers are fed by aquifers, which have water going down them all year round, so you've got oxygenated water going through the system all the time. So even upstream in the freshwater sections of those rivers, the, the Roper, the daily and the Vic, and the fish will be more than active then once that water temperature builds up as well. The same on the lower sections of those rivers in the tidal section. All those fish now are going to start making their way down, the bigger fish especially, to start congregating down the bottom to breed. And also you're going to get your 75s and, and 60 centimetre male barra all moving down or coming into those creek mouths and river mouths as well to start their breeding cycle because you've got your big female, and then you've got 10 or 20 little fellas who are your males sticking around with that female to actually uh, fertilise the eggs and everything. You know, you need to sort of start looking further down the mouth now before it sort of gets um, into the rain season. And if we get too much rain, the water discolours and it makes it hard for you. But whilst this river and all the rivers stay nice and clear, the fishing's going to be A1. Daly and Vic, got to be the pick of it. Good on you, Warren, and thanks for being the Barramundi. No problem. Well, I can't claim that this idea is original, but... We've hatched a little plan. I'd be in big trouble if I disclose anything. Ah, uh, TSTT. <laughs> <laughs> that means too secret to tell. Tales from the Tinny. Plenty of people giving us a hoy this week, including the mob from the Girls Gone Fishing Comp. 
fishing is on uh, Friday and Saturday. Skirts ditching work back to defend their title. Although without Tash Rammers this year, she was the... She's won what sort of pants were they? They were um, Saratoga leggings, pioneering a, a new um, bucket and pool noodle technique to keep it nice at toilet time. She's off on maternity leave for the tournament. Anyway, best of luck to everyone heading out there. They will also be attempting to nail that rendition of uh, Justin Bieber's hit that you've heard over the last couple of weeks, whatever it was. Can't wait to see the video. Some fishy news, Tim. You have uh, may well have seen some Facebook pages popping up calling for bans on commercial barra fishers in more areas. Yeah, there's lots of them too. Yeah, look around the mouth of the daily. Anson Bay and Fog Bay all got a mention. Uh, Dundee and the Finnis. Yep. Catherine Winchester is CEO for the NC Seafood Council. Uh, she thinks there's a pretty good reason why us reco fishers are seeing more pros out there. We think there's a much better solution than, than just a ban. People are seeing more frequently barramundi operations in the regions because there's less and less areas for the barramundi fishermen to actually operate in. So because government have been implementing closures um, virtually every election cycle, last uh, election was the first election that we didn't have a closure or buyout for the barramundi fishery. That fishery has been left with such a small amount of area that the fishermen are forced to fish in smaller areas, fish there more regularly because they don't have the flexibility to spread their effort out much further. Yeah, there was a petition handed into the Minister too for Maningrida for a ban on pros at, um, at Maningrida over the week as well. While we're on uh, commercial fishing, some news this week too, a press release about the mud crab harvest strategy. Yeah, I read it. I didn't get it. Well... Luckily, I'm on the boat today because I speak government. Oh, good, do you? <laughs> I've done the course. <laughs> okay, so, so can, can you reinterpret it for me? Well, I've got the press release here, and it really, it's about the NTGMCFMAC, which is all about strategy, stakeholders, stock sustainability and security. So what? Do you want me to translate? Yeah. For recreational fish shows, there is no change. But the minister uh, put him in the fish market, as we did this week, and he explains it quite successfully. What, he doesn't talk in acronyms? No, he's heading more towards tinny talk than gubby talk. Right, what was the acronym again? The acronym was the, uh, the MCFMAC for the NTG. Nothing has changed, and I will stress this, nothing has changed to the reg fishes. It's still uh, 10 mud crabs per person, 30 per boat. Uh, it's, in, it's important that we uh, have local people and local industry looked after while having a, a, an evidence-based, science-based approach if something does go wrong. Uh, some more fishy news too that I saw last week. The tender, there's a tender being put out to dredge the Nightcliffe boat ramp, mm. which is great news. That's a tough one to launch at. Oh, you bet. Yeah, you'd want it. You'd want four and above for that, wouldn't you? Yeah, three and a half or four because yeah. of all that silt and sand down the bottom. Absolutely. I didn't get details of when it's planning to go ahead or um, or details of how much deeper they're they're doing it. But when I can find that, I'll let you know. On the fishing front, Jason Bettles from uh, Wildside Sports Fishing, he's uh, told us of his triple tail adventure. Yeah. So outcasting the flats, spots a big triple triple tail. On the flats? On the flats and does the sight cast and hooks up. Put up a torrid fight, he says, and at one point jumped uh, head height two metres away from the boat. You can see the photo on Facebook. It is a cracker. Triple tail on the flats? Triple tail on the flats. Not bad, Jason. A TTOF. Oh, another fella on Facebook, Dustin Bearstow. G'day to you, mate. Another epic trip to Channel Point. Got his PB golden snapper at 62 centimetres. Small as, small as gold he caught, 50 centimetres. And solid trout and blue bone as well. Gee, that's, that's, that's as good as it gets. Over the two-day trip, 150 fish caught. Bloody hell. Best trip ever. Yeah, surprise, surprise, Dustin. Well done.
You can contact us too at ABC Tales and the Tinny. On Facebook, a quick hoy to the beard as well, the, uh, the fine producer of Tales from the Tinny, who informed me of an 80-centimetre Spaniard he got on the kayak during the week, a monkey off his back. But I did hear, Andy, a little bit of natter around the office. Some whispers among the non-fishos asking Mike innocently if it counts more, if it feels bigger, if it's worth more, if you catch it on a kayak. And I, I listened in attentively, shuffled closely, shuffled up closer. Mike goes, yeah, yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon it probably does count a bit more. He was like putting 20 centimetres on top of the 80 centimetre Spaniard because he boated in a kayak. That's a breach. Is that a breach? Is that a breach? I'm not sure it is a breach, Timmy. In fact, I think he's undersold himself by just adding 20 centimetres. I'd add more. You'd say it's like the apparent temperature, that it's X number of degrees, but once you add in the, the wind and the humidity... Feels like... Okay. Wind chill. So Spaniard actually was 80 centimetre because I was on a, span, on a kayak, felt like a metre. A metre plus. I'd give, it, I'd give it like a 25% bonus because it is. It's, it's harder. It's like fishing with dental floss with your hands tied behind your back. No, it's not. I reckon you over-egged it, Beard. Congratulations on the Spaniard anyway. You can join in too. If you want to come to his defence or pound him. ABC Tar <laughs> clearly my preference. Oh, I'll just go to his defence. <laughs> ABC Tars and the Tinny on Facebook or email us fishing at abc.net.au. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a point. If you can't finish this whole episode of Tales from the Tinny, don't worry. We've cryogenically frozen it and stored it, vacuum-packed in a data centre in the Nordic Mountains, surrounded by angry goats. (laughs) All this security ensures that your tinny is safely stored and ready for you to extract any time from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app or your preferred podcast provider. Or you could just do it old school and jump on a plane and hike up a Nordic mountain. Just don't forget about the goats. <laughs> ah, the mighty daily. Oh, this fishing trip had been planned for quite a while. All the talk had been a barra and beers. Half a dozen before the golden mile. We knew it would be busy and there'd be no chance of a bet at the inn. So, all your gear loaded in the boat, let the games begin. Now, I'd be lying if I said that her expectations were anything but lofty. And judging by the amount of grog on board, there was no room for a softy. There's nothing like the taste of an icy cold frothy just a tick before 8am. Nor the serenity shattering sound of a smoke-induced launch of phlegm. Did I say our expectations were high? We laid down the customary laws, a carton of beer for the biggest fish, and designated driver home for anyone who snores. The weather was perfect, the tides were right. There really was no excuse. A brief internal reflection. If I catch nothing here, geez, I look like a goose.
As the booze kicked in, the boat seemed to travel quite a lot faster. A few close calls, a bang on the prop. Bloody lucky to avoid disaster. Still, we made it to Clear Creek. And there was no other bugger in sight. A sensual looking runoff, but only rats and massive mosquitoes. Oh, the only thing that would bite. Oh, jeez, the mozzies. We were nearly carried away. The beers were flowing, but a lack of barra. The tempers were starting to fray. Just after the moon came up, we made the call. There's no mozzies when the boat's at full noise. So, guided by a lone spotty, flat out back towards the ramp, driven with precision and poise. How we made it to near the S-Bend, I'll never know. But the worst was yet to come. Anchored up, I made the mistake of fishing instead of sleeping. The move, looking back, was incredibly dumb. Snoring and farting, like you'd never heard come from my boat-sharing mates. And then the mozzies returned. F*** me. Oh, I'd rather be walking through hell's gates. Eventually the morning sun decided I'd endured enough torture for the night. It poked its golden head up just as I was seconds away from starting a fight. A breakfast made up of an icy cold beer and we were back to being friends. It was time to join half a Darwin and drag a few lures around the S-Bends. Our keenness for fishing had waned somewhat at the start of the second day. A thumping headache. More guts escaping. Pretty much a familiar state of dismay. But there was pride on the line and the competitive spirit was soon awoken. Right, that's it, game on wankers. Until a fish, not another word to be spoken. The two-stroke coughed and spluttered its way to life and our lures began to swim. Geez, I was keen for this carton of beer. Shortly after I was on the board, a nice legal-sized specimen found its way into the net. And not long after, a 76 decided to smash my lure. A move that he'd and the boys would later regret. Although, as it turned out, that fish, as beautiful as he was, caused nothing but trouble for me. Mates, you'd think, would be nothing but happy, and at least complimentary. The jovial nature that arises through an amber-based breakfast quickly evaporated. Wild accusations, downright dirty and personal slandering, I was being berated. Not long after, I'd had enough. I didn't care if I had to drive. Oh, I was sick of the trash talk. But if I'd have known what the next few hours held, I... I would have started to walk. As part of the exit negotiations, No Fish Creek was doomed to suitable fit. We pulled in and fair dinkum, a bloke was playing Beyonce. Oh, this day had turned to shit. That was it. I can get as good as I give with a talk, but that was a final straw. Back to the boat ramp. Boat out. Boys, get in. And locked the bloody door. Oh, the trip home wasn't straightforward. We stopped at every pub along the way. But the worst thing is, you wouldn't believe it. I still haven't got that carton of beer. Not even to this day. Some fishos, when they have a bad trip, Andy, they, they whinge to their mates. Oh, nah, good, nah, ties, nah. Nah, water temperature, nah. Nah, yeah, nah, the gear failed me, nah. Uh, Others cry, openly just sob. Uh, Some sit in the corner in the fetal position, you know, shaking uncontrollably, muttering (laughs) muttering to themselves. Joel Spry puts pen to paper and he releases events 
uh, his uh, frustration through the through the healing power of poetry, through the healing power of poetry, doesn't he? And he just displays such talent. You liked it, didn't you? I loved it. I just the church is broad, and the talent within the church is broader. Yes, yes. We've got poets and bakers and anglers, and I, th- I thought it was quite the punchline too, Joel. That a, a, se- a series of challenges presented themselves, but ultimately, <laughs> you were broken by Beyonce. Soles Ortis. The sun is risen. Equus Veneticus Piscatoros Consectatio Captura. The fisherman stalks his prey. Ophugio Mulletus Sorsum Boss. Get a mullet up you. The unmistakable sounds of the double barrel shotgun at the Meckett's Creek uh, shooting range with Bart Irwin, who's the spokesman for NT Field and Game, and I'd be guessing you and your members fairly grumpy at this time of year, Bart. Yeah, we were very disappointed that uh, there was no consultation by uh, the Minister or by uh, the Department of Environment and Natural Resources. Uh, it was a real kick in the guts. Two years ago, the hunting season for the wildfowl hunting season was 17 weeks with a bag limit of 10 geese. Two years later, it's now eight-week season with only three magpie geese. What impact is that going to have on, on hunters? Well, it uh, it's... It's just about uh, ruined the industry because uh, there is industry around it. It provides uh, about $20 million revenue um, annually and uh, people just aren't going to bother going uh, with those numbers. So we've uh, lobbied the minister to uh, recount the birds in the dry season uh, and if uh, if the numbers stack up, we uh, want a five-bird, five-goose bag limit uh, and we'd like duck season to uh, open if uh, not this weekend, next weekend, because as uh, the scientists have said, there's no problems uh, with uh, a 10-bird bag limit on ducks, so why not start on them now? Will there be any impact of the decision on uh, interstate tourism? Oh, certainly. I've uh, I've had uh, hunters from interstate ringing me uh, constantly. When I told them uh, the uh, meeting that we had uh, on Tuesday with the minister and said that we were looking to lift the bag limit up to five, they said they'd come for five. Five geese and ten ducks, they'd be on it, but for three, it's not worth spending the money. The hunting season and bag limit has been reduced as a result of surveys, which showed there are only 750,000 geese as opposed to a few million a few years ago. How can you dispute those figures, Bart? Uh, well, I was on the survey and uh, for the same survey that I did this year and last year with them as a spotter, and uh, I saw uh, three times the nests and three times the birds uh, that I saw on the same transects last year. I've been saying to the department uh, since 2013 that the birds have dispersed to the other states because of uh, our successive poor wet seasons. They do have wings, they fly, but they're not dead. They will be back as soon as, soon as the uh, eastern states dry out. They'll fly back across the border and they'll be our geese again. Our, our uh, hunting pressure has no effect on the uh, overall population, whether they're here or not. There's no other hunting in, the, in, the, in Australia of magpie geese, so there isn't really an issue. 
And the survey only covered uh, two-thirds of the area that they covered last year, uh, of the breeding areas, when they were concerned about the number of birds. Well, they came up with 1.3 million after covering three-thirds of the uh, of the entire breeding area. This year they did two-thirds and come up with 725,000 and extrapolated. So you'd like them to go and do the whole lot again? Now all they would have to do is do a dry season count of the receding wetlands. The birds will have congregated. They'll be much easier to count. It's like uh, a dairy farmer counting his cows. Count them at four o'clock when they come into the shed, just like you'd count geese when they're on the remaining remaining wetlands. NT Field and Games always had a community benefit arm and uh, we give goose meat to uh, renal patients that uh, are too ill and uh, hooked up to dialysis machines and can no longer hunt. Last year we donated 250 kilos uh, to uh, poor sick uh, uh, kidney patients. They were very appreciative. That was a quarter of our hunter's bag. Well, we can't cut three geese in, in four parts. So, uh, you know, unless we get a an increased bag limit, um, those fellas will miss out too. And in the meantime, you'll probably be spending a little bit more time here, but getting the uh, shotgun warmed up on clay targets instead. Yeah, I, I shoot practice here at uh, the NT Field and Game Range uh, every Friday from 4 till 9pm and every Sunday from uh, 9 till noon in the morning. And uh, we've got a comp on this Sunday at uh, 8.30, 75 targets uh, simulated field. So if you've got to get it out of your system, <laughs> you can only take three when the season starts. This is the place to do it. Good luck with the campaign, mate. I know you met with the minister this week and keep us in contact if um, if bag limits or, or, or the uh, time duration of the season changes. Certainly. Thanks, Tim. I fish, therefore I am. That being the case, what the hell am I when I'm not fishing? Hmm. Tales from the Tinny. Point of order raised from last week, Andy. Jordan had sent in some picks, some cracking picks from West Alligator Head. Highlight putting his sister onto a 98.5 centimetre barra, which was the only big barra that got mentioned in the post. So there's a lovely pick with her with it. And then another one with Jordan, which looks like a very similarly sized fish, but that he didn't mention in the post. Mm. Now, the point of order raised was... Was that the same fish, and is it a breach to take photos of the fish someone else caught and then hand it over to yourself and take a pic with it? So we'll deal with this in two separate levels. So first of all, is it a breach? And uh, the Tales from the Tinny Investigative Department has had a good look at this, yeah. and we reviewed all the evidence. We think it's probably not the same fish, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. There were some clues to indicate it wasn't. There were. Some slightly different colourings on, on the fins. Bit different background, but that can be explained. Size looked different too. It did. Just slightly. So we'll give him the benefit on that. But it does raise a, broad, uh, raise a broader issue, doesn't it? And, and it's not just the benefit too, Jordan. We, 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 we would expect and we expect 
that you would never even consider doing such a thing. Absolutely. Because that is the broader issue, isn't it? If, if, you were, if someone were to do such a thing, I don't know. Is it ethical? That's the question. To take someone else's fish, get a photograph, and without saying anything, imply that it's yours. Would you do it? I would never do it and have never done it. Oh, line in the sand for Andy. I'm giving evidence, oh, I'm giving evidence now. I'm confident. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. never done that, nor were, would I. You were before the courts just then. Right. In fact, I did some research. There is actually a national code of practice for recreational fishers yeah. by Recfish Australia. And one and of does the, it talk about taking well, photos with other people's fish? Well, what it does talk about, Timmy, is respecting the rights of others. Now, I would submit, um, <laughs> Your Worship, that it is not respecting the rights of others. To take their fish to and take, take their fish. fish and claim it as yours. What if you say, oh, this is um, Jenny's fish, I just wanted to pick with it? Nah, still not. Nah. You still can't pass that. I think where we've settled here is it actually highlights what a bloody good bloke Jordan is. Because he's clearly caught Barra almost the same size, mm. but but not bothered to mention them in the post because it was about his sister and her PB. It was. He wanted her to be the focus. Good on you, Jordan. Honourable. Ethical. Ethical. Another uh, follow-up from last week too, the yarn about the boys leaving the bungs out. You can hear it on the podcast, abc.net.au forward slash tinny, or on iTunes or your podcast device or whatever. But we called it a rookie error, <laughs> knowing that, you know, if, if we haven't done it yet, we're going to do it. And it was great to watch the conversation evolve on Facebook. Pretty much everyone's done it. It started off as a bit of camaraderie. You know, Shana tags Megan. We'll be 80 and sitting in the nursing home laughing about that, Megan. Megan. The bung was was one of the best introductions to a fishing buddy I've ever had. What a way to seal a friendship. Shana comes back. I knew you were a keeper, mate, after I nearly sunk the boat. (laughs) So they're bonding over the moment. Then it turns into ribbing between Luke and Rob. I was just trying to flush the hull out, mate. At least it could still plane, and that's better than your last effort. Well, they need a good wash, Luke. Rob then jumps in. Look, it was just a controlled experiment to confirm the custom manufacturer's positive flotation installation. I can confirm that it does float. And no need to uh, mass fill it with water through the bunghole to perform a sea trial. Everyone had a yarn. There was a little bit of fear between when Rach tagged you, though, Mitch. Don't hex us, woman. And Carl rounded it off, I think, wisely, Andy, by saying, there are only two types of fishos, those who have forgotten and those who will. Put the tinny on ice and enjoy this episode as a refreshingly fresh podcast at your convenience. Grab it from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app, or your preferred podcast provider. So, Andy, we're in uh, the leafy suburbs of Wanguri. I'm not sure who exactly it is we're meeting. All Beard said was, rock up to this address. Yeah, and it's all about a kayak or something, isn't it? Well, he didn't give me that detail. Oh, Jesus. Oh. It's bloody Beard. You're kidding. Beard, you haven't lined up for us to chat to you have you yeah <laughs> oh, no way oh, there's nothing wrong with that this is not this is this isn't in the tinny rule book you can't you can you can't not interview yourself this is a professional breach of ethics beard 
It was the only way I thought I could get some, some airtime on the, uh, on the kayak talk. Well, it, I guess it is. <laughs> Why do you think you deserve it? <laughs> Last week, East Point, 200 metres off the, off the rock bar there, grey Mackies everywhere uh having not caught a uh, a mackie up until last week uh and i've just been smashing what like i've got like six in the last sort of six days i thought oh that's worth the chat i can't say i'm happy about it beard but you're a hard worker and you deserve some credit tell us what you got to tell us how did you catch them how big were they blah 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 you don't have to take that tone but i'll <laughs> tell you <laughs> around the springs last weekend and just off the back of them early morning like launched it at, at 6 30 paddle two 300 meters straight out and there's just grays like 80 90 centimeter grays just jumping all over the shop we've discussed it before you can paddle as fast as a tuna is, is that how fast you got to go to 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 get a mackerel on the trot? uh no you, you're basically sitting still uh and then waiting for them to there's that many of them it was just like jumping everywhere trying to suss out which direction they're going after the jump cast a marabou jig ahead of them and hold on just the marabou jigs anything else or is it all sort of silver city for lures it's just been on marabou jigs yeah i mean i kind of thought oh, i should probably try something else to experiment here but they were working so i just stuck with them are you getting them on the surface or are you letting it drop a bit and then jigging or a bit of both you know there's that many of it like oh I'll throw on a popper or whatever but i never got there and what's your method for um, actually retrieving them i mean it's got to be a bit more difficult on a kayak you're asking too many questions you're a kayaker that's why he's with me on this <laughs> eh, Andy? yeah i knew all about this timmy <laughs> Stitch up. <laughs> you get you get a bit, you get towed around a little bit. I've got the method down now after six mackies that like get them in, keep the pointy end down the other end, pin it down in the middle with your foot, and then gaff straight in the brain. Mostly, they were all between eighty and ninety, so probably seventy to eighty to the fork, which is fine in my book. Yeah, I'm sick of that cheesy grin you got on your face, and I'm sick of talking to you. Who's this bloke? Ah, this is another fellow in crime. This is a proper stitch up. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Kale. How are you guys? Terrific, mate. You're a kayak fisho too? Yeah, love it. Yeah, I got out yesterday for the first time since being up in Darwin. Queenies were on. Mike and Andy have been contending that it counts more in a kayak. Bloody oath it does. You don't really get towed around too much in a tinny in a kayak, you do. It's nothing like the feeling of getting towed. (laughs) <laughs> it's not just the towing either it's um it's it's your proximity to the action so if you're catching queenies they're jumping right next to you and if you're catching mackies the teeth are, are right in uh right around the you know it can be uh, very close to the uh, to the to the crutch area yeah and being at water level too like you're right down at water level you're in the action yeah i don't like the idea of the teeth of a mackerel next to my testicles and nowhere to go I have contemplated wearing a uh, wearing a box. So you're at East Point too, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So I just launched at the beach there um, across from the lagoon. Probably the same proximity that you were, Beauty. They were just jumping out of the water. Birds were diving. So I threw on a little metal slice and I was on. Got about three. Yeah, so rising tide. But yeah, as soon as I got there, they were straight on. And they were all between the 90 and a metre. So they were good fish on the light gear too. This is actually a little bit awkward because um, cause Chris and I have been talking about going out for quite a while and then <laughs> we obviously haven't communicated. We've gone out on separate trips and have both cleaned up. We'll have to tee it up, I think. Well, well let's tee it up. I'm in that too. So um... oh, This oh, is disgusting. I'm out. I'm going to the pub. You just talk amongst yourselves. I suppose I've got to say thanks to be polite, but this is a double, triple-headed stitch-up. I still don't reckon it counts more on a kayak. Tales from the Tinny. I guess. Thanks. <laughs> no worries, Timmy. Man, you turned into a full-blown little kid after that. 
I did, yes. You're giddy as a little school... Can I come too? Can I come? Hey, boys! Hey, boys, can I come? Okay, can I come? Well, we're going. Yeah, you're beside yourself, aren't you? I've been down and bought some marabou jigs. Oh, is that me? Yeah, you can. Oh, he hasn't stopped going on like a six-year-old. Although Chris did find out you were a peddler and not a paddler, I thought it was interesting eavesdropping that conversation. Chris reckoned he was a purist because he's a paddler and that you're from the dark side because you're a peddler. It's like fly fishing versus lure fishers. Right at the end, as we were leaving, Chris goes, oh, she's right, Andy. We're all on plastic, aren't we, mate? All on plastic. As long as you're on plastic, Andy. It's a, <laughs> it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood, Timmy. <laughs> yeah, full on. It was like a cult. When are you going out on the weekend? Sunday morning. East Point again? East Point, oh, 7.30 opposite the lagoon. We might just call this the launch of the Darwin Kayak Fishers, the DKF. Oh, yeah. I, won't be be- I won't be being involved any further. I've got a spare seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I invite someone else. <laughs> I'm not a peddler nor a paddler. No, good luck. Good luck, you mob. Let us know how you go next week. G'day, how you going? Jordan Smart from Humpty Doo. Jordan, this time of year, lots of barrafishers are heading out to the billabongs or hunting the harbour. You and your dad had a different approach last weekend, didn't you? Yeah, well, we find the bigger tides, apart from like your low tide, you can fish the harbours and stuff, but the bigger tides are a lot harder on the highs, so... We push over to the Vernon Islands and fish around the blue holes out there. So talk me through it. What was the plan? Our idea was to get over and uh, the reef dries at about 4 metres and we had a 7.4 metre high, I believe. So we got over, get over the top of the reef and it's just basically nice and slow with the electric putt around the mangroves and the idea is to sight cast Big Barra cruising around. First half an hour was a bit slow with the water being a little bit murky on the first push of the tide but... As the tide started to move a bit more, it sort of cleared up over the reef. Spotted the first one, which would have probably gone about 80 centimetres. Uh, but I watched it eat my lure and spit it back in front of me. It was nice. a bit slow. So, yeah, that wasn't too great. And then uh, after that, yeah, we got on a bit of a run and I managed to get one that was 70. Watched it come out through in front of it. It actually followed my dad's lure first, but I was quick enough to get in there and made him turn and he come over and got mine, so it was pretty good. And uh, yeah. <laughs> So your dad cast... Barra goes after it and says, no, nah, not interested. You cast yours and you're away. He spotted it, pointed it out, and general rule of thumb is the person who sees it first gets the first cast of the fish. So he casted, but the fish sort of went down and disappeared and hadn't seen it. He was off in a daydream and didn't actually see it, and it came up at the last minute right at the back of his lure and probably followed it for about a metre and a half. He was not paying attention, so he's just pulled the lure out of the water and it turned away. And as it turned away, I managed to land mine right in front of it and obviously twitched it the right way and had my tongue out the right way. And there we go, it ate it and I was in. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for teaching me everything I know about fishing, but uh, too slow. I just sort of let him know, you know, he wasn't using the right lure and I keep telling him this lure works every time and he keeps telling me the weedless hooks, you don't get a good hookup or you don't get as many hookups and proved him wrong. Yeah, got a few slabs in Esky now if you want to have a look. Uh, do I want to see this? Oh, there they yeah. are. Yeah. Nice big, chunky 72 centimetre bar slab. And uh, you're giving this to your workmate to take home. Yeah, well, we got too much bar in the freezer. Cleaned up the last few weekends, so <laughs> tradesmen are blessed with what I do for them. Generally, uh, when you're fishing around there, you'd want to aim for smaller mangroves and stuff they can sit behind. If you've got big standing mangroves, 
there's not a lot of structure apart from a few roots down the bottom, which they do sit in between. I won't say they won't because we've caught plenty in there. But we find out there the best thing is the really new growth, the small mangroves that only sort of come up about oh, 500 mil high, yeah, 50 centimetre mangroves. And that's, they seem to sit in, the, in amongst them. They love them. And you just see their tails sticking up between them and it's just a matter of trying to land it in between. But not too close to spook them, but not too far away that they don't see it. Because otherwise your dad gets in before you and gets the barrel. So you've got to be quick. Uh, Agent 86. I imagine he's the competitive type. Very competitive. And we always, we do get mad at each other. If one's out fishing the other, it always gets that way. But when someone does land a good fish as well, it's the exact same. Feeding it to the other person. But then all, generally always happens that one of us will fight back and get a bigger fish. On this occasion, I was lucky enough to get the only two good fish. So... I was able to feed it all day long. So this is a spot that you and your dad have gone to uh, for quite a number of years, I believe. Yeah, I've been fishing it since before I can remember. So I reckon I could fish the place without a sounder seven days a week, but confident enough in myself and what dad's taught me about the area, where the channels are and stuff. And uh, knowing when to come off, you guys have come unstuck before? We have come unstuck. We uh, got a bit carried away fishing a little spot and we thought we could hang around a bit longer than we thought and we tried to sneak out over the reef and we ended up getting stranded and we're, we're on there for probably, I think, six and a half to seven hours. Very uncomfortable when you only get in the boat with a pair of thongs in the morning to walk around on reef all day and fish. And I imagine you know all your, uh, all your dad's bad jokes already. Yeah, well... Instances like that, they're not a lot, few words exchanged and then get on with the day's fishing. So out there targeting barra, anything else you're after? Yeah, so generally you fish the barra up around the mangroves. Once the water drops off the reef though, there is a few places where you can get them. Fishing gets a bit harder around that area, so we generally move out. We've got a couple of little sandbars and reeds and stuff and big queenies and then go for trevally and then we got one spot sort of right on the change of low tide a little pocket and corner and we seen we've had a very good luck with jacks in the past but this time round there was none hanging around but in the past we've had 15 to 20 jack sessions there up to 55 centimeters so yeah it's a good spot tales from the tinny yeah also went out managed to sneak out after work last night what didn't tell you about this mate what happened weeknight fishing trip snuck out Got invited by uh, one of my mates and, uh, yeah, went out for a little sneaky fish. And I tell you what, nothing better than no boats at the boat ramp when you launch. <laughs> oh, there isn't indeed. How'd you go? Uh, well, we snuck up a little creek and uh, the first fish went 50 on about fifth cast, which was nice. And there was buffing and stuff everywhere and we thought, you know, this isn't too bad and snuck around and I was flicking very light spin. I always like to fish light spin in the harbour, get longer casts for those more spooky fish stuff and I managed to I watched one come up and eat my prawn and yeah big scream and run and a long fight and 72 hit the deck and I'll tell you what not a bad feeling about half an hour off work and I'm hooked into a nice bar in the harbour that is good fishing clock off work straight out there banging 72 yeah it's not bad is it did you pick up that rule there between him and dad on the flats, the first two sees it gets to yeah, cast that? Yeah, absolutely. I would just ask of you, Fishos, if you're on a flat and you see a 70 or 80 centimetre barra, well, no, your mate, your mate sees it first. There he is and goes to cast. I call it backing him up. I just back you up there, mate. You know, as ideally I land a lure right on top of his or 
just just twenty centimeters better cast closer to the nose. Yeah, I, I think it's first in best dressed. Whoever casts first, not whoever sees first. Whoever casts first. Yeah. If I cast, if I saw it first and cast first, I would expecting be expecting my mate's lure to hit the water milliseconds after mine. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's it's reasonable. Takes me back to a uh, a story where I remember my wife was pregnant. And we had a fish on Adelaide River, and I literally pushed her out of the way to, to, <laughs> to cast at a fish <laughs> that she was casting at. Oh, how'd that go down? Oh. She, not, got, she not, got the measure, measure of the father. Well, we had the, the baby, yeah. No, it went, that, that all went well. But no, it probably wasn't the best etiquette. And there's a couple of mates out there, you know who you are, um, that, that can corroborate that story. Oh, what a rude awakening for her of the man she'd committed to. First time she goes fishing with you, I bet, and you shove her out of the way. Preggers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Some things take priority. <laughs> and for you, the good cast did. I'll go to a rocky point right on the low and... Oh, every time, mate, it's unreal. I hate to think what the poor people are doing. I think the biggest was around about 70-ish. Going off like shotguns, mate. Tales from the Tinny. For many years, we've derided the impoundment fisher. Fish in a barrel, Andy. Uh, does a metre fish caught in an impoundment really equate to a wild-caught territory saltwater metering? They're different currencies, Timmy. They're different currencies. It's like comparing the Aussie dollar to the US dollar. Yes. They're both or dollars. Or to the yen. But they're, or to the yen, but they're different. They're not the same. But there is some things we can learn. There are many things we can learn from stocked impoundment fishing. As Tristan Sloan can attest, how yeah. are you? Yeah, really good, Tim. I actually have to agree that the wild saltwater fish is a much tougher proposition. But you've got to give it to the, to the Queenslanders. They, they've got their fish in the barrel and they've learned how to catch them. Um, and we can take some lessons from that. And, uh, you know, j- just for me, beggars can't be choosers. I'm a busy man, toddlers, rugrats, and a, and a full-time job. So nighttime is my free time. And uh, coming up to the last full moon, we went out to Corroboree. And we, uh, you know, I actually rang up a couple of my mates in Queensland, the, the Brains Trust, the Empowerment Bar Brain Trust. And I picked their brains. And, Make sure uh, they don't hear this podcast. <laughs> they're not going to be happy. No, credit, credit where credit is due. Without this information, I think it would have been, a, the, the trips right. would have been different. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's yeah. some of the data and yeah. info they gave you about how they're getting better? in the impoundments at night that you then applied to our billabongs. Yeah, so what, what you're looking for within the impoundment, obviously when you're looking for saltwater barrier, movement, water movement, tidal movement is key because um, that brings bait and food and, and, and the barrier follow. That doesn't happen in, in, a, in a locked locked billabong in an, in an impoundment. The only thing that actually moves the water is wind direction, okay? That moves the water, the bugs, the, the critters, the prawns, the whatever, and the bait fish and the baby barrier and the big barrier then follow. So and the other interesting thing is when this happens, water water is pushed by the wind into normally sheltered weedy bays, and that gets warmed by the sun. So there's obviously a temperature difference, not a lot, maybe a degree or two degrees. Late stages here coming into the build up, that little bit of warm water can really stir the barrier up. Obviously, as you know, last year we did quite good out at Crobby trolling big lures through the tarpon schools. And at night. And like- at night. Yep, that's a really long time I fish Crobby for 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 for, for barrier. Wasn't working this year, predominantly because of the amount of small barramundi. So we had to rethink, apply a bit of lateral thinking. I see a small barramundi simply food for a big barramundi. Mm. Um, so what we simply did is found these these weed banks with the wind blowing into them, found that the temperature changes, and simply just placed a bet that when the sun set and the moon rose, the barrel would push in. How, how often does it paid out? It's paid out every time. 
Yeah. Every time. The bite triggers um, between sunset and the moonrise. So once the moon gets too high in the sky, the baritenders switch off. But for that first couple of hours after moonrise, um, it, 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 it fishes really well. And obviously the moon silhouettes the, the lures quite well because the barrow feed from underneath the lure. So what we'd start a session off is trolling the edge of these weed banks with big lures, big shallow divers. And you're looking really about six to eight foot. You'd often ever catch or lose a couple of solid fish in the first hour doing that. Then as the moon rose high, they would push into shallow water. So we'd switch over to rolling soft plastics. And we're only talking in three foot of water. So you've got to use really shallow soft plastics, hold your rod tip high, and just make sure your lure skim in the top of those weed beds. And bang, you get a few more fish. And then the bite was shut down. For all the theories about nighttime fishing, for fishing Manton or the Billabongs, Corroboree, Hardys or wherever, yep. one of the consistent things we're always told is when the moon comes up over the tree line. And that's what you're talking about. Just as it first starts to rise, that swap over, basically sunset and a couple of hours after. That's exactly right. These aren't long sessions. Really, at the very most, you'd be spending four hours in the water, take the boat off, and you'd be in bed by you know, 10, 10 o'clock, 10, 10.30 at the, at the very most, which is reasonable. You're a busy man. I am. It's... Like you say, you've got kids, you've got limited windows. <laughs> that's it. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a middle of the week. Work, work day week type fishing excursion. You can get out, you can knock a couple of solid fish and you'll be at home before 11 o'clock and get eight hours sleep. Tides do play a role yes. as well, don't they, in yes. terms of how big that moon is, when it's coming up and when it's coming down. So so do you look at tides as well? Yeah. Well, Warren yeah. was the first one who put me onto this. Yeah. He said you can often pick a bite window in a billabong based on a change of tide. And if you, if you correspond that to the moon, to the moon rise and set, you will get a really, really good bite. So you've got to factor in, in, in factors like sunset, um, water temperature, wind direction. Uh, we're getting technical now, moonrise and tide. But when they all come together, you, you can have a, a really good session. I mean, we, we lose a lot more fish than we, than we actually land because you're fishing really tight to the weed beds. Yeah. A big fish can hit you and bury you in the weed beds very, very fast. So it's, you've really got to turn the head and, and hold your rod tip high and get them jumping, which is dangerous because you lose fish. But that's the only way you can get them out of the weed beds, get the head up, get them jumping and pull them towards you. Well, all credit to the Brains Trust uh, from the Queensland Stocked Impoundments, Tristan. That's exactly right. They've really given you a hell of a lot of data to crunch. <laughs> Look, I even had a chat to Peter Zeroni about this as well, and he's done a bit of work down the Queensland Barrow Dam. So I've run this past a few people. I've run it past Dave Krantz. I've run it past Hubble. Well, some of the great minds. That's exactly right. So the Territory's Brain Trust has contributed too. We can't leave the Territory out of this. Man, I can just imagine when you're going out for one of these sessions how many different apps on your phone you're pulling up and correlating and cross-referencing all the, all the different bits of data. Yeah, I'm, I'm envisaging like, uh, you know, 10 monitors uh, up the front of your boat all with different data coming in and perhaps an operator there too with headphones mm. on just, just calling it as it happens. Like a situation room. A sit rep. Well, it's yeah, an instant it's control. Yeah. It is, absolutely. <laughs> what, um, in terms of the Brains Trust, did they give you any lure guidance as well or was it all technical? And, and this is the other thing as well. We're using really big lures, like big, big bombers, really big B-52s and big soft plastics because the type of bait you get in there is obviously tarpon, which is a decent-sized bait and baby barrow, which there is tons of, you need to use a lure that's big enough to choke a 40-centimetre barrow. The, the only thing that, that throws that theory out just a little bit is when you can see bony brim or little bait fish flicking on the surface, that's yep. when I often choke. Downsize. Downsize a small soft plastic because the reason they're being pushed to the surface is because something's scaring them. And so you can see that visual activity. It's like a you know, school of mullet in a, in a saltwater. She pushed to the surface, very nervous, 
there's a reason in there, and that's when you have to modify your approach. What yeah. sort of sizes of fish and what sort of numbers? We're, we're getting two to three really good fish a night in the high 80s. We've lost a lot more fish um, than we've caught, and just simply due to having to get the head up and get them jumping to get them out of the weed beds. And, and certainly a couple of times, as I said, we've actually had hooks ripped clear off the back of a lure. So there is some really big fish in there. I don't believe the big fish are gone out of those billabongs. I believe in, they're in there and they're eating these baby barrow and those tarpon. It's certainly been the year of the rat from the reports. We've had lots of rats in the but billabongs. These, but the people catching rats, like you and I, don't have a situation room. No, no, we don't. That's our problem. We don't have the 10 monitors. You need a barramundi build-up Freshwater billabong situation room if you want to start pulling these big barra that are still in Corroboree. And that means a bigger boat now. (laughs) That means uh, something's got to (laughs) go. Good on you, Tristan. Thanks for sharing. And again, credit to the the Brains Trust from your mates from the Queensland Stock Empowerments and also the Great Brains Trust of the Northern Territory who's allowed you to crunch some of the data. And thanks for sharing it with us, mate. Well, look, if, if you were smart, you'd start prepping for the next full moon. And the five to seven days leading up, I expect corroboree to be crowded. So I've let the car out of the bag. <laughs> Luckily, my missus is pregnant, so my fishing time is coming to an end. <laughs> That's why you're in here talking that to is, us, isn't that it? Is. There's, I'm a done. Ca- there's a caveat there. <laughs> I'm done. Good on you, Tristan. Nice to see you again. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. This is Stuart Hodges from Anula. Uh, Just um, had a firstborn, little baby girl on Wednesday. Congrats, Stu. Thanks, mate. Her name's Nelly. Um, yeah, early in the morning Wednesday, so that's good. Must be an amazing moment for any new parent. But the thing is that on day two, you thought to yourself, you know what? <laughs> Now's a good time to go fishing. Yeah, so I haven't been fishing in a month. Boat was getting a new motor as well, and it was just flat out with preparing for the baby and that, so... Yeah, baby was born and would have had a little bit of time on my hands, so I decided to go fishing. Oh, yeah, not much going on. <laughs> go for a flick. Yeah, why not? <laughs> How did you get away with that one? Uh, good self-managing. Talk fishers through this, Stu, because if there was ever a, a story that encapsulated the axiom that every cloud has a silver lining, this is it. Because this story starts with a baby but ends with a barra. What happened? Took the boat out for a run just to see what she can do and... Launched at Buffalo Creek, heading out to Shoal Bay, fished the rock for a little bit. There seemed to be fish there, but they weren't feeding, so I tried to head up into the creeks, and um, yeah, as I head into the bay, I paid too much attention to the digital screen and um, missed the channel, and yep, straight on the sandbar. Oi, what did that mean? It meant tide going out. I was stuck there for about six or seven hours. Thoughts of new baby and, and wife at this stage? I thought I was going to be in the sh- big time. What do you decide to do? Sat in the boat for a little bit and I was like, oh, f*** it. I grabbed the rod and go for a walk and see if I can find anywhere where I can fish and not get eaten. Spent probably an hour and a half flicking a nice hard body. There's a bit of bait around, the barriers were buffing, but yeah, no luck, so went back to the boat and swapped over to a new lure, little plastic. Third cast in, boom. Meter Barrow just whacked me, popped, jumped out of the water, nearly spooled me on the first run. I think I had about 10 metres left of line on my reel and hoping it wasn't going to take everything. Heaps of runs. It's amazing um, how hard they go in such shallow water. Yeah, so about after 5, 10 minutes, I managed to get him in the shallows, get him on his belly and drag him up onto the sand. Righto, folks. Look what I just hooked. Yes. 
I made a barrel. Woo! Happy days. <laughs> oh, the things that can come from a crisis. Yeah, it definitely um, turned a shit day into a um, bit of a silver lining. All right, so how much longer were you on the sandbar for? Yeah, so I probably caught that fish about 5.30. I was still on the sandbar till about 9, 10 past 9. <laughs> the missus was fine with it, I guess. There's not much you can really do when you're stuck on a sandbar. <laughs> Uh, was she as stoked for you about the 101 as, as you were happy with yourself? Uh, yeah, I guess so. She she knows I haven't been out in a while and she was a lot more happier than what I was expecting, so it was a good outcome. And how long do you think it will be until your next trip? Oh, I'm not going to lie, it's probably only going to be a couple of days. <laughs> uh, good on you, Stu. Thanks for the chat. No worries, Mike. Baby one day, metery the next. Does life get any better? Although it could have it could have gone worse. Mum at home with a one day old and you're on a sandbar for six hours? What a consolation though. You know, you're on the sandbar. We've all done that out at Shoal Bay. Great consolation. But it, that's the roller coaster of angling, isn't it? You know, one minute you're the pigeon and the next minute you're the statue. <laughs> I haven't heard that analogy before, but I suppose Sometimes you, you get shat upon and sometimes you're the one doing the... The shatty. The, the shatting. Where the hell are you, mate? Yeah, but I... I, I got poo everywhere! No, no, but I got, I, a, I got a metery. I put, I, put a, I put a nappy pin through the baby's belly button! It's okay, I got a metery. It's been crying for seven hours, I love But I got a metery. <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It's never going to stack up. Well, that's just about it for Tales from the Tinny Andy, where we've considered a, a, a great raft of ethical rulings and fair play and right from wrong. I still want to hear from you, Stu. Came home with a metery with a day-old baby. How'd it go down? Congratulations too, mate. We never actually said that. And thanks to you too, Beard, of course. Always out there in the tank top and the latan. Paddling as fast as a Spaniard. Getting your little harem of kayak fishos together to come and watch you as you power along along East Point. <laughs> That's why he wants you to come, you know. He just wants the fan club, doesn't he? He just wants the fan club. You wait. Lay off us. <laughs> Can I come too? Chris K. <laughs> Chris, sorry, Andy. Best of luck, mate. He's fine. Well, I'll be back next week to give you a report. <laughs> uh, Chris Kale. Uh, Bart Irwin. Warren DeWitt. Tristan Sloan. Jordan Smart. And Joel Spry for penning that lovely, although kind of traumatic little poem. And thanks to you to contributing to the tinny throughout the week via ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. You can catch us there anytime or via the email fishing at abc.net.au or call 1300 Mullet. And catch you next week for more tinny. In the meantime, get a mullet up ya! Tales from the Tinny.